1: Today's message by Elder Buddy Abernathy is entitled, Waiting on the Lord. It's taken from Psalm 27 in verse 4, where David declares, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Using this verse, Brother Buddy teaches us a great lesson about waiting on God and following His guidance in our lives. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
2: When the Lord again, the
0: You tonight from Psalm 27, Psalm 27 and verse 4. David says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord. And to inquire in his temple. David says there's one thing that he desired. I don't believe he means by this that he has no other interest in life. I don't know of anyone that is able to have just that singular focus 24 hours a day. But I believe what he's saying here is the thing that means more to me than anything else. I believe he's saying that without this, I find no pleasure in other things in life. I believe that's the idea under consideration. And I hope that this expresses all of us. Though we have jobs, though we have families, though we have Many responsibilities in life, this ought to be that which is foremost important. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. You know, Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's a New Testament companion verse to this one. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Now, he's not saying that I want to live in the temple. He's saying I want that to be my abiding place, the place where I'm able to find real lasting pleasure and contentment. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. That would be like us saying today, I want to enter into the kingdom. I don't want to just go within the walls of this church building. I want to feel the spirit. I want to fellowship with the other members. I want to love them. I want to feel their love for me. I want to feel the Lord's presence. I want to rejoice in his truth. I want to be encouraged by it. That's what he's talking about. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And that's basically the the two parts of our purpose in being here, to behold the beauty of the Lord. We do that often in singing, singing, we do that often in our prayers. We, we express how we view the Lord and his uh, beauty and majesty. So he says, I want to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. In other words, I want to seek direction. I want to find answers. I want to be able to take the things that I receive in the kingdom of God And apply them in my life. We're here to inquire of the Lord. Now, surely all of us would agree that this is the way we ought to think. And I think if we're honest, whether we're doing this or not, I think we all know that this is where we'll find real peace, real contentment. A real sense of purpose, even if we're caught up now in the things of the world. We know as members of the church that this is is the important thing. This is what I need to focus on. You know, we may put it off and say, well, you know, I'm busy raising my children now, but uh, I'm going to get serious about church down the road. Satan loves it when you think that way. He loves the put-it-off mentality because that way he has you today. And he, if he can just keep getting you to kick that can down the road, he's satisfied with that. Now, we might could say there's many requirements in order for us to obtain this one thing that David desired to obtain. Yet there's one that's very important that's not very exciting. And that's what I want to preach on tonight. Waiting. You like to wait. Most people don't. You like to wait in line. You like to wait in traffic. You like to wait for your doctor to call you back when your appointment was an hour ago. Most of us don't like to wait. We're impatient. What's exciting about waiting? You're not going to go to uh, a seminar where there's a well-known motivational speaker and he's going to say, here's the key to success in life, waiting. You won't hear that. But I find in the word of God and in my own experience that waiting is very important in God's plan. You know why? God doesn't operate on time. He doesn't care about time. We do, it's important to us. We're creatures of time. Our time is limited. The older we get, we say time flies. Can you believe it's been 10 years? Since this renewal at Zion Church began, 10 years. Time's flying. Some of you young people were little kids 10 years ago. Let's see what the Bible says about waiting. Now before we think about waiting, there's an important attitude that we ought to have and that's found in Psalms 31 in verse 15. And I just want a little part of that verse. David said, My times are in thy hand. Now, David's saying, Lord, I'm going to let you, and you understand when I say let you, that doesn't mean that God can't do it without David's permission, but that's his attitude. Lord, I want to let you outline the affairs of my life. I want you, Lord, to manage the unfolding of events from this point forward. Now, most people don't want to do that because that robs you of plotting out your life. You know, preachers have a special responsibility to to say, Lord, my times are in thy hand. Lord, if you want me to be at this church from now on, that's fine. If you want me to go to another church in five years, that's fine. But don't think that you're not obligated in the same way. I like the point Brother Chris made. He said, God doesn't care what your career is. Whether you're a doctor or a ditch digger, God doesn't care. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not to seek his, his providential guidance. He knows what strengths we have and what weaknesses we have and I'm not saying God's providence is not involved, but what I am saying is that that's not what's important to God. Your career's not what's important to God. That's the point I'm trying to make. What's important is that you abide in Him. My times are in Thy hand. I don't know if I'll be able to get to this tonight, but I jotted down some notes about my experience over the past 35 years. 35 years ago, I was 23 years old. That's when I began this life of waiting and then walking when the Lord opened the door. So some of you young people are, you're where I was, newly married, living in our first home away from our parents, no children. Some of you are are where I am or close to that point in life. So first of all, you got to have the right attitude. Lord, you can have my time. You willing to say that? Lord, I surrender my right to, as Frank Sinatra said, do it my way. You know, that was a popular song. You know, if if you like the music in a song, it doesn't matter what the lyrics are, you're going to sing it and like it. Isn't that interesting? It can have the worst lyrics. I'm not talking about vile uh, cussing, but just lyrics that are contrary to the Bible, and yet you enjoy singing it. There was a song that, I used to joke around with with my girls, and I'm sure you young people can probably figure it out, but part of, the, part of the lyrics said, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, and you know what part of the lyrics were? Just me, myself, and I. That's all I need. But I like the beat of that song, man. That'll get you pumped up. But it, she's talking about all I need is me, myself, and I. She had been mistreated by her boyfriend, and she was letting me know I'm all right. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. A lot of those things sound good and feel good, but they're totally contrary to God's word. Amen. Amen. So are you willing to just give it up? Lord, my times are in thy hand. Now let's look at several verses in the book of Psalms. All these verses about waiting, interestingly, are mostly in the book of Psalms. I just did a search on, my, uh, on the internet for the word wait in the Bible. I didn't include, I don't think I included waiting, just the word wait, and it's in there over a hundred times. Most of them are in the book of Psalms. So notice this, verse 27, that's where we started, look down in verse 14, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Okay, God wants us to get that point. Wait on the Lord. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And he says, he says to wait on the Lord, we have to be of good courage. See, waiting doesn't mean you sit down and do nothing. Waiting doesn't mean you're irresponsible or you're weak. The waiting under consideration here is not doing nothing. The waiting here is a a mindset of I'm seeking God's guidance. And that takes courage. It's easy to say, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to college, I'm going to get this degree, here's where I'm going to live, here's a job I'm going to have, Uh, here's the kind of person I want to marry, and there are some qualifications about the kind of person you marry, but if you get too confident about what you're going to do, you're liable to get off course. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. You see, waiting requires trusting God. Because Satan will tell you, life is passing you by. Look at all your friends. I'm going to go to a verse that shows you that in a minute. It's just passing you by. You have to have courage to wait on the Lord. Amen. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 26 says... It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait Amen. for the salvation of the Lord. We think it's bad to wait. The Lord says it's good. It is good that a man should, both, uh, that a man should quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. Amen. Psalm 62, verse 5. And I want you to notice in each of these, there's a, a, a different lesson to be learned, and I've tried to arrange these in a logical way. First of all, we just got to get that in our mind. Wait on the Lord. Wait, I say. We just got to say, okay, I'm going to wait. I'm going to be courageous about this. I'm going to trust God. And I know it's a good thing to wait, not a bad thing. Well, now notice what's emphasized in Psalm 62 and verse 5. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. See, most people aren't living life that way. Their expectation is from something they can work out and scheme and plan and arrange. And I'm not saying we don't make plans. But your priority is always to be looking to God for His guidance. And notice how He words that here My soul, wait thou only upon God. We're tempted to pursue some other course. But no, soul, you know, it's okay, to, it's biblical to talk to yourself. It is. He's not, notice this, he's not talking to God. He's talking to himself. My soul, wait thou only upon God. And here's what can help you be that way. My expectation is from him. What I'm anticipating, though I don't know what, how things are going to turn out, I'm expecting him to open the door and provide the best scenario for me. May not be the highest paying job, but I'd much rather have the job the Lord provides than one paying more that I pursued and didn't seek God's guidance and it may be a job you don't enjoy a bit. The best peace you'll ever have is that sense that I'm abiding in God's will. And I realize we can be deceived. We need, if you're going by the Bible, you're not deceived. If you're doing what the Bible says, you're doing God's will. But I realize the Bible doesn't tell you uh, where to work and what year to go there. I understand that that's why you need to pray diligently and wait on the Lord. Your expectation is from Him. Don't make your expectation from some other resource. Psalm sixty nine verse three. It may not be easy. It hasn't been easy for me all the time. Psalm sixty-nine and verse three. I am weary of my crying. My throat is dried. Mine eyes fail. While I wait for my God. Now notice here, the psalmist is doing the right thing. But it doesn't always feel good. It's not always pleasant. You know, God puts us through trials to burn away bad stuff. And refine the good stuff. He burns away the dross and refines the gold. And notice here, waiting on the Lord is not just saying all the time, you know, I just feel so close to God, I'm so happy, and I'm just waiting for God to open the door. I can't wait till he opens the door. No, that's not always the case. Psalmist said, I'm weary of my crying. Lord, I'm tired of crying about it. Tired of waiting. He says, I'm weary of my crying. My throat is dried. Mine eyes fail while I wait for my God. You know, David said one time, Lord, are you clean gone forever? You ever felt that way? One time David said in Psalm 102 that I feel like a a sparrow alone on the housetop. You ever felt like that? I'm alone. You don't notice sparrows, do you? They're everywhere. You walk down the street of New York City, there's probably sparrows all over the place. We don't pay any attention to sparrows. David says, I'm like that sparrow on the housetop that's alone that nobody sees and nobody cares about. Read Psalm 102 sometime and notice how David used all kinds of pictures to describe his sense of destitution and loneliness. But one thing he said in that psalm was that the Lord hears the prayer of the destitute. You know who God's listening to? The people that have no confidence in themselves. That's who he listens to. Remember, I've quoted this verse to you before, where the Lord said, Unto unto this man will I look, to him that is of a poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. I was talking to someone in the community this afternoon regarding another person in the community that I wish would come to church. And he said, well, you know, he just doesn't feel worthy. And I said, well, when he does feel worthy, we don't want him to come. We wanted him to come now while he doesn't feel worthy. That's, right. and that's the way all of us should feel. The people that need the physician are people that are sick. There's two kinds of people in this world spiritually. Those that are sick and those that don't know they're sick. Amen. Amen. When Jesus says they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick, in a spiritual sense, Jesus is, is the implication is... That there are some people that just think they're whole. They're sick, they just don't know it. Everyone's a sinner. Some people really understand that and and are are very conscientious of it. And others just don't really think they're sinners. So he says, I'm weary of my crying. My throat is dried. Mine eyes fell while I wait for my God. Now look at Psalm 130, verse 5 you do have a resource to use while you're waiting. I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. Now, when you're in the waiting room at a doctor's office, there's a reason why, and I know we've got technology now and this doesn't really... Apply anymore, but there was a reason why they always have magazines. It's because there's nothing to do. You're bored. You're just in a waiting room. So they have magazines to help you pass the time. Maybe they have a newspaper. Now everybody's on their phone. A waiting room is assumed to be a place where there's nothing to do, so you need to bring something to do. Well, notice here, when you're waiting, notice how he used the word wait twice in this one verse. Psalm 130, verse 5. I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait. Well... uh, What's the difference between I and my soul? I don't think there's really any difference. It's just making emphasis. I, me as a person, I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait. And in his word do I hope. You have, a, you have something to do while you're waiting. Reading God's word. And you know what? If you're waiting, and you're tired of waiting, and you're crying, and your your eyes are failing, and your throat's dry, you're probably going to come across something in the Bible that's going to help you. See, the Bible benefits hungry people, not people that are full. The book of Proverbs says, The full soul loatheth honeycomb, but to the hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. So God's given you something to do while you're waiting. And then look at Psalm 25. This builds on the fact that we have God's word as our resource. Psalm 25, verse 5. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. You know, oftentimes the most profitable usage of your time is doing things that the world thinks is not important. As a minister, we, you know, my life is in reverse to what it is for some ministers. You know, a lot of ministers worked a career, and a lot of them tried to arrange their affairs so they could retire uh, earlier than normal, so they could focus on the scriptures. You see, my life has been sort of the reverse of that. When Tina and I married, I had a secular job for two and a half years, and it was part-time And I took that job and gave up the full-time job I had so I could spend more time uh, in the Word of God. But then from from, uh, 1989 until 2012, that's what, about 23 years, all I did was serve churches. And when I was 49, I moved here and have a full-time secular job. But you know what? My mind could remember a lot better back then. I look back now and I'm thankful for those times that according to the flesh were boring. But I I remember sitting on the front porch swing and trying to read through the book of Job and I might spend two hours just going over and over a couple of chapters because I've always had a problem with reading comprehension and I wanted to read it and finish the chapter and feel like I understood the flow of it and I really uh, remember and learn from what I read that wasn't exciting to the world but that was a good use of time I've wasted a lot of time probably wasted a lot more time than I've used time in a valuable way but I'm glad there are a few times that I used it right and I was able to do it at a young age So we ought to have this attitude, lead me in thy truth and teach me. For thou art the God of my salvation. You see, this salvation here, like Brother Chris said this morning, is not eternal salvation. It it could apply to that, but I believe primarily he's saying, my deliverance from whatever my situation is, is going to come from the Lord. And then look at the same psalm, Psalm 25. Verse 21. We're now going to a higher level of maturity. To whom much is given, much is required. And if I've taught you several principles about waiting on the Lord, there's now some responsibility that you must assume. You see, the more you learn from preaching, the more responsibility you have. Because God expects us to walk in the light He's given us. And if you don't, He's not going to give you any more light. Why should God waste light? Why should He give you light if you're not going to walk in it? That's like wasting food. Why put a big plate of food in front of your child when they know it's twice as much as they'll eat? That's foolish. Well, why should God keep giving you light if you're not walking in the light He's already gave you? But it does say in 1 John, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, He'll give us more light. Notice this, Psalm 25 and verse 21, Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. Are you a person of integrity and uprightness? That means that even though I feel like my present situation is not God's ultimate or main purpose for my life, yet I'm going to be a man of integrity or a woman of integrity and uprightness in this situation. You may be in a a bad situation and you may be saying, I know this is not what the Lord ultimately, ultimately wants for me. I'm praying for his guidance. I'm waiting on him, but you're never, it doesn't matter what the circumstance is. It doesn't matter how little of a sense you feel of God's providence, you're always responsible. You must always be a person of integrity, doing what's right, regardless of the situation you're in now. See, it may be easy to do what's right when you feel like the Lord's just opened the door and and you're thinking, this is it. I've been waiting on this. It's a lot easier to be a person of integrity then when things are going your way. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me. That tells me that if you're waiting on the Lord and you decide to stop living right, then you may not be preserved. In other words, we've got to live responsibly while we're waiting. It's not just a matter of saying, Lord, my times are in Your hand. I'm just going to let go and wait. I like what a preacher said when he defying faith. He said, faith is doesn't mean let go and let God. Faith means get up and get going. Isn't that what Abraham did? Get up and get going. Abraham, I'm not even going to tell you where you're going, but get up and go. The Lord had to tell them the direction to go, but where he wouldn't know which way to walk. But we're not given much information, are we? And then look at Psalm 37 and verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Now watch this. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Don't look at what's happening with other people. Because you'll say, well, look at them. I've never seen evidence that they've even tried to wait on the Lord. And they've never really seriously sought the Lord's will. They've just always done whatever they've wanted to do. And it's always went well with them. And they've made good money. See, the Lord doesn't want you to focus on other people. He says, rest in the Lord. Do you trust God enough to say, Lord... I don't understand why things are not developing. I don't understand why this hasn't happened yet or why this is not working out like I thought it should. But I trust you so much I can go to bed and rest. Rest in the Lord. You know, I believe it was Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel rested pretty good down there in the lion's den. And the king in his comfortable palace didn't sleep all night. In other words, if God's with you, and certainly God was with him because the reason he was there was because he didn't compromise. He was a man of integrity in his prayer life. And, got, and he, by the, at the hands of men, he was cast into the lion's den. But I believe he, w- he rested there. And the king didn't sleep all night. See what a difference it makes. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. The, the greatest peace you'll ever have is saying, hey, I waited on the Lord and he opened this door and I walked in it. I don't, you know, if, if it's okay with the Lord, I'd like to live here the rest of my life. If it's okay with the Lord, I hope it is. My, my, my nature wants to get my own home. I'm thankful for the home we have. But you know, I would like to get our own home, and I envision living there until I die. That's just the way we think, isn't it? I don't want to have to walk by faith. I want to get settled and stay here. But no matter how old or young you are, you need to always be seeking the Lord's will. So wait patiently on the Lord. And while you're waiting, seek Him in His Word and in prayer that He'll open the door and that you'll see
1: the way to go.